It is Mother's Day. It's a bustle and hustle day for many of you dads trying to get gifts on your way home today from church. I can see that. Um, no, but it is for some. It is a it's a very difficult day, and um, um, either the loss of a mother or um, the inability to have children. And um, I do want to pray for you, um, as it is a difficult day for for some. So let let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we do thank you for the celebration of Mother's Day, and but we do recognize, Father, that uh, this day is, is a difficult day for some in this room, for some that are watching online. We ask for you to be our hope and our future. Father, we do come before you as a congregation praying for those who are suffering and reminded that um, the family of God, the people of God, do love you. And um, our God loves you and has a plan for you. Lord, we thank you for all of these moms in this room. And we thank you and praise you for your great grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mothers are given a very unique task. They're given a great and large task. The task of trying to raise up children in the Lord. It's an enormous challenge. And at some point in each mother's life, they will wrestle with the weight and the responsibility of being a mother to a child. If you think about it, each child is fully dependent upon you, right? As a mother. In a similar way, we are fully dependent upon the Lord to sustain us, right? As parents. What we need for them, we get from Him. Am I right, moms? And we come to this text this morning, and the application can be for moms, but it is for all of us, as one of the joys and privileges of being a parent and joys and privileges of being a mother is giving ourselves to those whom we love. We will encourage our children in their times of trial, in their times of hardship, by showering with them the gospel of grace. We will give even in our own trials and hardships. And we will give not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we love our children. We've been studying the book of Acts and we're walking through this book together, and we've seen the power of God in Acts. We've seen the Holy Spirit move in power through the people of God throughout the world. The passage is no different that we come to this morning as God encourages the saints through the Spirit's prompting. 
And God's people respond to the word of the Lord. Antioch, which we've seen here, is the first church among the Gentiles. And we've seen the hand of God upon his church in Antioch. What are some of the things that we've seen? What are the elements of this church? What does it look like? Well, number one, they preached the Lord Jesus. Not just the leaders, but unnamed people speaking the gospel to other people. And as a result, a great number of them believed. They had great leadership. The son of encouragement, Barnabas, is leading the church. And he sees the grace of God. He exhorts them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And they also add a great teacher to the word of the word who is Saul. We may have heard of him before. And they identify with Christ there at Antioch in the first place in which they are called Christians. This is the spirit-filled church, the spirit-led church continuing in this section, this small section of scripture as they look outward towards others. Not just looking inward to themselves, but looking outward through their giving. I've entitled this sermon, The Spirit's Encouragement Through His People. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 11, we're going to be in verse 27 this morning. Acts chapter 11, verse 27 at Northwest Baptist, we stand in honor of the reading of God's word, his infallible word of the Lord God, inspired word of God to read to you from Acts chapter 11, verse 27. We'll go through 30 this morning. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of of Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of God for you this morning. You can have a seat. It's probably one of the shortest sections of scripture that we've read from, from Acts, but that is what the Lord gave us today on Mother's Day to be an encouragement to all of us this morning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we, we ask that you bless this time. We pray that your spirit speaks to us through your word. Lord, we pray that we are challenged and we are encouraged to live a life worthy of the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this morning that you encourage those who are in need of encouragement, that you would cause those who are in need of repentance to repent and believe upon Christ. Father, we pray that you would work in a mighty, mighty way, that you would raise up people in our congregation to speak encouragement into the life of our people. Because we all need that encouragement. Father, help us to be givers and to bless others with the blessings that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been blessed by someone? Have you ever been blessed by someone so much that it knocked your socks off? 
I, I, I know that I have, and this may sound funny to some of you, but uh, we used to live an hour and a half away from all of civilization, okay? So if you take Tulsa and you take Oklahoma City and you draw straight lines to where that is, that is where we lived, the great uh, place in America called Holdenville, Oklahoma. And I can remember this one couple saying to Jordan and I, we had two young kids at the time, saying to us, hey, we want to take you guys to our favorite place. It's in the city, so it's an hour and a half drive, an hour and a half back, but we want to take you to this restaurant called Mahogany's. We were like, wow, we don't know much about it, but we can go with you, so let's get in the car. And, and we, we go with them on, on, a, on a date night, and uh, we, we roll up to the door downtown, and... Uh, and, and it's near the Chesapeake Arena, and it's downtown, and we roll up, and I'm thinking to myself, where, where is the parking lot for this thing? And uh, he gets out of the car, he's driving the car, he gets out of the car, and, and the valet takes the car. I'm like, wow, this is kind of a fancy place. And then, then we, we get up, and it's like kind of like a red carpet almost moving into the restaurant, and Dirk Nowitzki is standing right outside the restaurant, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is nice. Uh, uh, this is places for real. So, so we get, um, so we sit down into this nice candlelit table, and I open the menu, and I think to myself, wow, these, these prices are, are a little bit high for me and Jordan. And I'm, I'm kind of whispering to Jordan, maybe we should split something, you know. I mean, this, is, this would be good. This would be a good time to do that. And then suddenly our friend, um, who is a cattle rancher, says, I'll take the lobster cargo. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what that is, but at $29 as an appetizer, this better come with a slide and trampoline to jump on. Uh, it, it better be the best appetizer, and, I mean, excuse me, hors d'oeuvres I've ever tasted in my life. But I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I would have never ordered that. I don't know what it is. And then they bring it out, and it's these... These six little cups, I mean, seriously, they're like Reese's peanut butter size cups. And you, 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 you take one bite and it's gone. And you think to yourself, okay, I just had one. I can't have another because it was $29. And they're going, you know, who's paying for this, right? And uh, so he orders a couple more appetizers. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is interesting. And, uh, you know, at the end of the meal, I kind of give the courteous, hey, do you want to split this meal, you know? And he says, no, it's my treat. And I thought to myself, what a blessing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But, but the reality is there are times in our lives that the Lord puts people into our path to encourage us, right? And maybe just the right moment that we need. And this is one of those moments in which the Spirit leads the church in Antioch to give financially to the church in Jerusalem. At this very moment, there is a, going to be a famine in the church in Jerusalem 
even at this moment, during this time of famine, they're going to lose one of the apostles, James. If you look in chapter 12, James, the brother of John, is killed. Peter is thrown into prison. And the Lord knows all of these things that are about to happen. And nothing is out of his control. Thus he leads the the Spirit to lead the church, to encourage the church in Jerusalem through a difficult season. During a time in which they needed it the most. Look at verse 27. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit, that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Now, this is our first point this morning. The Spirit speaks through God's people to encourage them. The Spirit speaks through God's people to encourage them. We see prophecy in 1 Corinthians as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And its main function, Paul tells us, is to encourage. That's what he says. To encourage, to console. We'll get there in a minute. But we need to explain the word prophet here. He is God's spokesman. He speaks the word of God to people. The Old Testament prophets usually actually would receive a specific and personal call from God. Abraham is the first person mentioned in the Bible as with the term prophet. Of course, we know Abraham's call as he was called by God to leave his family, his country, his home to a land in which God would show him to make him a great nation. The most well-known prophet is Moses. For the Lord would call Moses from a burning bush. He would take off his sandals because the place in which he was standing was holy ground. We know Samuel was called by the Lord as a young boy. He doesn't recognize the call of the Lord at first. But becomes a prophet as the word of God comes to Samuel. Isaiah is similar in which he has this vision of a throne room in which he enters in the throne room and the Lord says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Now these are extremely intense circumstances in which these prophets of God are called by God himself. Let me read for you one more, and this is Jeremiah, the prophet who is called by the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Oh, uh, Lord, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. 
See, I have set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I just wanted to read that to you so you get the picture of what a prophet actually is. Someone who is called by God to speak his words. Hosea, Amos, Jonah, these are all met with the Lord, called to declare the word of the Lord. Often the prophets would write down the word of the Lord, and that's what we have as the Old Testament scriptures, the very word of God. These prophets would meet with the Lord. They were men who stood before other men, having stood before God. So I guess, why don't we have prophets today, right? Why don't we say Prophet Kyle or Cody the prophet or Agabus here is a prophet. He comes after Christ. Well, one reason is we have the finished canon of Scripture, right? We have the inspired word of God. There is no need for the prophets to declare the word of the Lord. We have it in the scriptures according to God's word. So if someone calls themselves a self-declared prophet, I'm running, okay? The Lord is the one who calls prophets. The Lord also says there will be false prophets. Jeremiah 14, 14 says this, And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. So there are false prophets even in Israel during that day. And how do we know that they're false? They do not come true, right? What they say does not come true. In the case here of Agabus, he claimed to be a prophet and was recognized as such within the church, and his prophecy comes true. Now I talked about a little bit about the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians Um, chapter 14. I do not believe that this is the inerrant, infallible word of God as written down as an Old Testament prophet called by God. Rather, I think the spirit-filled gifting is a gift in which you can apply the scriptures of what God has already stated into the life of someone else. It can be a word of wisdom or by the spirit in which he has given to you a word of application, or giving you a word of knowledge in which the Spirit reveals something to which you can apply the Scriptures to their life. The Spirit's leading in someone's life to encourage someone else in the area of their life is different than someone saying, Thus saith the Lord. There is a difference between divinely inspired Scripture And someone saying, I want to encourage you with this word that I believe will touch your heart today. There is never a weighing of scripture. Paul would never tell us to weigh if the scripture is true. And yet he tells us to weigh 
the prophecies from 1 Thessalonians 5.19. He says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, holding fast to what is good. He calls for the testing of prophecies. And so he talks about this gift in, the, in Corinth multiple times. I'm not going to preach to you 1 Corinthians 14. That's for another time. But I am going to tell you what it says. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. He tells them what the gift of prophecy is useful for in verse 3 of chapter 14. On the other hand, the one who prophesies to speaks to people for their building, their encouragement, and their consolation. The Spirit speaks through people often to encourage them. And then he tells us at the end of his discourse on prophecy and tongues of what prophecy does within the body to an unbeliever. 1 Corinthians 14, 24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outside enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and saw falling on his face. He will worship God, declare that God is really among you. So how do we encourage people with spirit-led leading through the divinely inspired word of God. Well, Charles Spurgeon once talked about this, in which while he was preaching, he suddenly broke off his sermon subject and pointing in a certain direction, he said, young man, those gloves you are wearing have not been paid for. You have stolen them from your employer. At the close of the service, a young man looking very pale and greatly agitated came to the room, which was used as a vestry and begged for a private interview with Spurgeon. And on being admitted, he placed a pair of gloves upon the table and tearfully said, It's the first time, sir, I've robbed my master and I will never do it again. You won't expose me, sir, will you? It would kill my mother if she heard that I had become a thief. And that was Spurgeon in one of his sermons. And he would do this often. He would break from the sermon that he had prepared in which he would give a word. And someone would come to him after in the sermon and say, you were talking about me. In the case of Antioch, the prophecy was to encourage or exhort the church to give because the Jerusalem church was about to go through this very difficult time. And as a result, the prophecy, the disciples determined to send relief to Jerusalem. The Spirit leads them and exhorts them, and the church responds. That's how often the Spirit works in the life of believers. He prompts or he calls someone for a response. So sometimes when we have hard truths spoken into our life, either through the sermon or one of our community group members, sometimes that can be the Spirit's leading in our own life. And oftentimes we call that encouragement, to follow Jesus, to love Christ, to live his mission. And a word of encouragement is often followed by God's people with action. 
So let us encourage one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that we've moved through that, let's move on. 29. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. This is our second point this morning. God's people rise up to challenges the church faces through giving. It's very interesting that the challenges that were faced in the first century here are some of the similar challenges that we even face as the church today. I heard David Platt say that when he was talking about the church with one of his um, soccer dads, if you call them that, the dad said, I just can't stand it when preachers talk about money. I just want them to preach the Bible. Here's the deal. If the preacher is preaching the Bible, he is going to talk about money. (laughs) Why? Because the Bible talks about money. Jesus talks about money often. A fourth of his parables are about money. One every four parables, Jesus talks about money. But the reason that we talk about money, when the passage of Scripture talks about money, specifically here, giving, It's not so that we as a church at Northwest Baptist can make our budget. That's important, right? But that's not the most important thing to me as your pastor. It is your heart, okay? And the scripture tells us in Luke 12, 34, For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be Also, what does that mean to us? That means what we love, you will see in our bank account, right? What we love, you will see by what we spend and pay for where our money is. Our temptation as human beings is always to place the love of money or things, we call that idolatry, in the place of God. 1 Timothy 6.9 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's not even you being rich causes you to plunge into destruction. It's your desire to be rich. So you can be as poor as you want to be and still have money as the issue in which causes you to fall into ruin and destruction. Did you know we live in one of the wealthiest times in the history of the world? The wealthiest times in the history of the world. As Americans, we may not think of ourselves as extremely wealthy And yet, we have access to clean water. We have, most of us have some sort of education or training. We have a roof over our heads. And what we are is actually wealthier than a large portion of all the people who have ever walked on this planet. 
And so if you're a guest here this morning, we're, gonna, we're talking about this giving from the church in Antioch to this giving in the church in Jerusalem, which is really a crazy idea, isn't it? The mission that is planted by the mother church is actually giving back to the mother church. But if you're a guest here this morning, we're certainly glad you're here. We want you to know we expect nothing from you in regard to money. But what you may not know is that our members of the church give, not because they are obligated to give, but because they want to give. You see, we are all sinners, saved by the grace of God. We were lost, we were dead, we were hopeless, and yet Christ rescued us in that state. He paid the full price for our sin upon the cross. He paid the debt we ourselves could not pay, and he paid for it upon the cross, dying in our place. It is the great exchange, Jesus in my place. And now I am forgiven, I am set free by the blood of Jesus. I am healed, I am new. God looks at me as righteous. And I have been given the Holy Spirit now as a down payment in which I will spend all eternity with my heavenly Father forever. My life now, it's not my own. My life is Jesus. Therefore, I give freely because Christ has given to me. It's not that I have to. It's that I want to. It is the expression of the gospel overflowing in our hearts that we give. The first fruits of that. And if you're a guest this morning and you've never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't know what it means to freely give like the church here in Antioch freely gave to Jerusalem, I invite you to understand that this Jesus is worth it. To put your faith and trust in Christ alone. We don't put our faith and trust in Christ just with our money, but with all of our life. And this was made clear in the church in Antioch, and it has been true of the church that gathers at 23rd and Drexel this past year. God has brought us through a very difficult year of the pandemic. Many of you, while you aren't able to be here, have faithfully given to the Lord. Many of you are still not with us and faithfully giving to the Lord. I want to tell you that at the end of 2019, we could not make our payroll. We had to dip into our savings account to make our payroll in the fall of 2019. In March 2020, our checking account was $67,000. It's a lot, but not for our budget and what we need to supply. At the end of March 2021, so one year, pandemic, one year long, all the way through the pandemic, our bank account was close to $265,000. That's $200,000 more than we began within the pandemic. Oh, by the way, we remodeled most of the entire church. 
a good bit of this stretch. The finance team is currently praying about what the Lord wants us to do in blessing others, just like the church in Antioch has done. The people of God being used by God to be a blessing to other people. It's the very nature of the gospel itself, and it brings glory to God when the church responds in the gospel through giving. Not just with our money, but with our life, our time, our service for the kingdom of God. You know, some people say that today's, um, today's currency is not money. People have plenty of money. They have plenty of wealth. They can give to some event or some, some project just, just like that and not feel it. Today's currency is actually time. They would rather give their money than give their time. And this church gives their time to people and ministries. You saw this, these babies up here. And there are people today on Mother's Day that are serving your children and babies in the nursery wing of our church. There are people serving in the children's area of our church. There are people who serve on Wednesday nights with your youth and your children. There are people who serve our senior adults. There are people who serve in many, many capacities, and they use their time, their energy, their focus to serve the kingdom of God. And we are a gospel-centered church in which brings about giving of our entire life. Verse number 30 and they did so. They didn't just talk about it. They did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, it's important. They send it by Barnabas and Saul. Very important that they are good stewards of the money that God has given them. Therefore, they send it by Barnabas and Saul, and they take it to the elders in the church in Jerusalem. They are, they are stewarding this as if it was God's money. Why? Because it is God's money. It's not our money, it's God's money. This is our third point this morning. Unity in God's church comes about through a gospel focus. So imagine you being the church in Jerusalem and you hear about this Gentile church in the outskirts of Antioch that has just started up and you hear, and you hear that that church is now going to provide meals for you and your family in Jerusalem, the mother church, the big church. What are you thinking? That brings unity awfully quick into God's churches. You see, the gospel is Jesus gave his life up for us, ours. He humbled himself, coming down to heaven to become a servant for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 8 9 uses rich and poor to describe this gospel. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, so that you by his poverty might become rich. You see, Christ selflessly gave so that you could have. Life in the church in Antioch reflects the gospel 
that has just recently come into their hearts and their minds. You know the church in Antioch, what it doesn't say? It doesn't say how much is this going to cost? How much is this going to cost me? It doesn't say what do we need to give? They selflessly gave of themselves. They, they gave of themselves even though they were the outreach themselves, the, the missionary church, the, the outreach. We always think about us supporting the missionary or the us supporting the outreach. It would be like us starting and planting a church in China and them not having a whole lot and them going, you know what, I want to bless you back in the States, in, in Oklahoma City. I'm going to support you. I'm going to share the gospel with you through giving. Instead of hoarding and, and, and making themselves bigger and better, they gave of themselves. And it's no surprise that they did this. Why? Because their leaders are modeling it for them. And who's their leader? Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He leads in this way. In his own life, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, he says this. We've already read this before. We've preached on this, but I'm going to read it to you again. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, unity. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each that had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas sells his property and gives it to the church to distribute it as people have need. And now the church in Antioch, which Barnabas is leading, is giving its proceeds back to the church in Jerusalem. This is not some socialism thought process where people are mandated to distribute their wealth this is the early church people seeing needs within the body of Christ and giving of themselves for one another. This is a people being overwhelmed by the gospel that all they can do is give because Christ has given so much to them. And guess what? I cannot think of a people on the face of the earth who gives more freely than mothers, right? I know my mom has given much of her time, her love, her money to raise a young man. And I am forever grateful for her and her life. And the gospel which overflows out of the life of mothers in which God has designed and built them to care and love their children, now overflows it with my wife into our children 
which I stand back and watch and am amazed. Just as we talked about last week, in which Barnabas sees the grace of God in the life of his church, I see the grace of God through my mom and now my wife in which they love their children. And so mothers, you may get a little flower this today or you may get a little card that says I love you and, and that's full well and good. But just know the Lord sees you. Right? Oftentimes when we minister, we want to be seen. And that motherhood is very selfless and giving. And often you're not seen until your children are a certain age. They do not say thank you, mom, for all that you do. But the Lord sees you. And he sees your giving of yourself for your children. And so I want to encourage you this morning, moms, to continue to walk in the ways of God. But no one encourages you or no one tells you thankful or glad. The Lord sees you where you are. May the Holy Spirit show us all how we can encourage one another by the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the the Spirit's encouragement through his people into the life of others. May we take this to heart and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ May we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading to encourage difficult times. We may not even know that they're, what that we're about to face or what we're facing. And yet, Lord, give us the ability to discern in what ways we can speak the truth of the word of God into the life of other people. Father, we know that we are broken people who have sinned against you, and yet you loved us so much that you would be willing to come and die for us. This morning, we rest in that grace, Lord, because we need that grace in our own life. We are unable to do it ourselves. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we can give grace to others. Lord, help us to be a church that people see the grace of God. Help us to be a people that our children see the grace of God. Help us to be mothers and fathers which we show the grace of God to one another. 
Father, you have done it on the cross. You have declared it is finished. Father, help us to be led by the spirit of the living God, not by our own desires, our own wants, but by what you want, because we believe that what you want is good, perfect, and holy, and right, and just. Help us to set aside our thoughts and look to what is written in your word, to your thoughts. Help us be a people who declares the truth of Scripture with one another, that encourage one another, led by the Spirit of the living God. Let us be all be encouraged this morning by your word and your truth. Let us run the race in which you have put us, placed us, whether that be a mom or not a mom. Let us run that race to the fullest, encouraging others and taking them alongside of us as we run. Fix our eyes towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.